As much as I like to fight everyone, yeah, yeah. I'm having a pretty good time here. Why you mad? Why you mad? Why you Why mad? You mad? Excellent. All right. Uh, we're recording. Yeah. Uh, oh, my God. I haven't gotten to say this in so long. Hi, Jake. Hey, Louisa. Wait, wait. I'm not seeing my my I'm not showing up on the little thingamajig. Oh, you're showing up on mine and I'm recording. This is new technology since you've last been on Why You Mad. <laughs> OK, so, <laughs> OK, so I'm here. It's just not. Sure. OK. It doesn't show me my own little line. I think you would have to hit record on your end to see your little lines, which you could do it right now if you want to have a backup in case we fuck it up. <laughs> which I was just telling Jake, everybody that like literally. So I totally got this new way of recording from doing the fangs for your memories podcast with our guests, one of our guest hosts, Kate, Terry. And um, I fucked it up when I was on their podcast, and then I fucked it up every time I had a guest <laughs> where I just like kicked something or something under my desk and the recording got fucked up. But I think we're good. I'll cover okay. this. Yeah. Uh, so do you want to start over or no? Just make everybody hear all of this reacquainting <laughs> with recording. No, going. Fuck it. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Fuck you guys. Whatever. We're chilling. We're just putting out free episodes. We love you, though. Thanks for listening. Welcome to Why You Mad. <laughs> you guys love this show. You'll listen to us talk about Zencaster. Yeah, exactly. Uh, not many people listen to this show, but the people that listen to it fucking love it. They love us. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's a lot because I never wanted any listeners. <laughs> so I'm like, wow, there are so many listeners. And Jake is, that's this is our baby podcast. I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> Let our baby grow quietly and slowly. Uh, but you've been on the road. We got to start there before we jump into any fucking why you mad topics. Our first one's got to be like. Where you been? What's going on? Checking in. Tell us. Totally. Yeah, I think we uh we had to do our little season break because you were out globe trotting Europe, yeah, and then yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, on a stupid tour across Columbus, Ohio, and shit. So, <laughs> much less. Uh, <laughs> well, when you put it like that, <laughs> but I wasn't achieving anything. I was just uh, gallivanting. I know, but like the older I get, the more I'm like, okay, all of my travel is touring and all of my yeah. is Columbus, Ohio and like, you know, fucking Memphis and shit. And I'm like, uh, I got I to gotta transition at some point to uh, like actually saving money and then going on trips just for the purpose of trips because I'm yeah. very silly just to, get old and then I'm like, oh, I never went to. Well, and just to take time off, right? Um, yeah. Uh... I mean, I was thinking about that a lot on tour because... Uh, Okay, something I've been thinking about a lot is how I scribbled this in a notebook when I was real drunk the last night of tour because I was talking to somebody about this and I kind of have a half-formed idea, which is perfect for this podcast. So, <laughs> the Lay it on us. I'm getting really sick of bartending and it's because I work at a neighborhood bar where it's not like the job is mainly uh, pouring drinks, right? It's, the job is mainly talking. And it is takes- it a lot of regulars? Yeah, it's nothing but regulars. And okay. What regulars is, I really like some of them, and then I really don't like some of them, and I have to yeah, talk yeah. all the same way, which is punishers, like, punishers, yeah, they're total punishers, and yeah. uh, it, it's emotional labor, you know, it's like yeah. what that is, and uh, and then some of them are like, 
eh, or whatever, <laughs> you know, but uh, I was thinking about that because I was like, man, I really feel like a stripper. Like I feel <laughs> like a sex worker because what you do when you do that type of work, is you provide people a fantasy and that's a, a, a sexual fantasy is, a, you know, fucking woman dancing in your lap or whatever, but a, a bartender pretending to be interested in your opinions on movies is a like a regular fantasy. It's still a fantasy. It's still yeah. it's still commodified. And then also with doing comedy and podcasting and stuff like that, you're doing a little bit of that too because you're, instead of doing a sexual performance, you're doing a performance where you heighten part of your personality, which is also yeah. what a sex worker is doing. And because yeah. like the thing is. Sex workers don't not like sex, right? Like, that would be weird. Yeah. 100% prude, but then you're like, oh, I do this because it's like a job. Like, <laughs> there, there are probably no asexual people as sex workers. Yeah, but like really yeah. anti-sexual people, like, you know, yeah. the Christian fundamentals, right? Be like, no, these women yeah. are, you know, they're saintly virgins, and uh, yet they get exploited like this. It's like, yeah. I mean, hang out with these people. They're, you know, they're fun. They're dirtbags. Some right? of them are like, I'm good at this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, like, I was thinking about that because when you're a comedian, you're kind of, like, uh, playing up your personality, which is why people get parasocially attached to you and why you get punishers after the show who are, like, well, the experience that I'm purchasing here is kind of, like, getting to be around this person who I enjoy and stuff, and you have to kind of do the same thing I'm doing at the bar when I'm, like, okay, like, I'm going to give you some of this, you know, because it's part of the thing, uh, but, like, I also have to manage my own, you know, um there's a scarcity of like you know <laughs> how much i have in me how, to give how much like juice i can give you yeah yeah and like uh but like it's a little like vampire like feeding vampires it's like i can't give you all the blood in my body <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and like i guess i keep thinking about strippers because i'm like um well so that thing i was describing at the bar where i'm like literally the person that i hate and the person that i really like I they won't know the difference because I have to turn it on for both of them. Yeah, I was like, I bet that's what that's like if you work at a strip club and you're like, oh, you know, this horrible fucking guy comes in, you have to turn it on for him. Um, and, but then like somebody you like comes in and you're like, kind of not like you're still doing it, but it's not commodified when you're doing it like that. You have this weird like switching thing where you're putting up a face the entire time, but it's genuine sometimes and it's fake the other times because yeah. the way that all everything's commodified. And like, uh, and I was like, yeah, that's, that's what I feel like as a comedian too, where like, I have to be seamless between being like, I'm really tired of talking to this person after a show and, oh my God, it's my best friend. I haven't seen in 10 years. I got to talk to this person. It all has to look the same. And that's why I'm like really exhausted. I think is because the bar job I have is not an escape from this exact thing. Like it's the same thing. And so I'm like, yeah, I got back and I went back to work and I was like, fuck, I feel spent because I'm using this exact same resource in everything i do and that's a problem that's why i'm like maybe i'll maybe i'm gonna be one of those comedians that like uh like i saw i was at a show one time when i first moved to new york and uh someone was introducing billy princell and they were saying uh this next comedian it's his birthday (laughs) if you know anything about comedians he probably hasn't talked to anyone all day so please give a big round of applause and yada 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 it was a way to introduce him but I remember thinking, like, yeah, that's actually true. Like, that's probably comedians, like, have this scarcity of, you know, me energy. And yeah. so you have jobs where you don't talk to anyone all day so that it balances out. And then when you go do spots and shit, you're able to, like, pull from that well. Yeah. But, but I feel like I'm, I'm doing all of it all the time. And it's really, it really wore me out. 
Well, you know, um, I observed from your patterns from the last couple of years that you are like, you remind me of like, what is that shit called? Oil rig workers, right? <laughs> yeah, because, you know, you um, very purposefully set like a whole chunk of time a year to work and save up money and then the rest of the year you spend your time on comedy so it's like very much like you go off to be like in Alaska <laughs> for three months <laughs> I almost did that exact job when I was 21 I yeah know, I got as far enough as to where I was on the phone with a sea captain <laughs> oh no all the greenhorn and shit and I remember like me and my friend Joe were both like um yeah, we were just like, yeah, we were looking into it for that exact reason. Like, you can work three months out of the year and then just chill. Yeah. But, you know, you got me totally. That's exactly the way I operate. But the thing is that it is like, um, okay, uh, it is sort of like binging, okay? And I don't want to jump right into, like, the media stuff that we wanted to talk about. But it immediately gives me, like, a severance kind of reminder of thought, oh. right? Because severance, I don't know, like, let, I haven't, I haven't thoroughly thought it through, but a lot of leftists see it as like, oh, it's like a show that's criticizing capitalism. But I really see it as criticizing individuals within capitalism, and the choices that we're making and how they hurt us. And the sort of same way that the workers that we're following in that show are choosing to like, segment themselves to put like part of their time to be like, I work for this co corporation and I don't have to think about it and I'm not going to worry about it. Like I'm not going to have no memories of it. <laughs> and then I can supposedly live my life free the rest of the time. I just don't think maybe capitalism has these loopholes that allow for like, it's going to bite you somewhere on another end. You know what I mean? Which is not to be discouraging because we all have to do something. <laughs> oh. But it's sort of like, um, I don't know, like at, at some point, you know, maybe when you were 21, we could go do this fucking go live in an oil rig shit. <laughs> but now, yeah, you're getting tired and it's like, yeah, you fucking need to have like a week in between the oil rig job and the going back to comedy shit where you just fucking like sleep and like maybe eat some weird new food and have experiences, you know? Well, I don't I mean, know. you're right though. The thing is, I don't like, I don't actually do the oil rig thing. I do, uh, yeah. I rotate oil rigs. Like I have different yeah. jobs is the thing. And I don't take vacations. If you actually work on an oil rig, you actually do that ice fishing shit. I was looking into, yeah. you stop working for three months after you get back and you, yeah, exactly. You like are a person i don't fucking do that i went on tour in last spring and then i got back and i was like oh shit i need to tend bar which yeah. you know like because i was like oh fuck i need to make money uh on top it was weird like i made money and then that made me even poorer somehow because i was like oh now no, because I have you were having a good time and you're still even if you're working and making money while you're traveling you're still on vacation so you're still like eating out all the time and drinking every night and having well, yeah. shit because you're on the road but I still, I still netted a lot of money. It's just that yeah. if you make a hundred dollars, you're like, this isn't going to change my life. So I'm just going to like spend it. 
Yeah. Uh, you make $6,000, you're like, oh, shit, I can pay off a student loan. Yeah. I guess I have to do that now, which then you have to do, and then you're back to <laughs> one. So, like, in this weird way, it kind of put me in a situation where I was yeah. like, fuck, I have to, like, take advantage of this. And it led me into a situation where I had to work regular again. And, like, I do this. I was talking to – um. I was on a show last night with that guy, Moss Pericone. He's really funny. Mm-hmm. Um, I was talking to him about this because he was going through some sort of similar thing. And he, uh, I said, you know, I do like, I don't, I don't like the idea of having to grind forever. Like that mm-hmm. really about comedy. People that do that, I think they, they just get, they get dumb for one thing. Cause it's like, you never read a book, you know, you never do anything to better yourself. Uh, but you also can't like not, you can't just do comedy once and then do it again a month later. Like you yeah. have to do it consistently while you're doing it. So that's yeah. why I kind of get into this like season thing where I'm like, yeah. I'm going to do it and then build an hour or whatever while I'm doing it and then, you know, record it. And then I take the break. But the problem is yeah. the problem is that I, the break I take is I switch to other work and I yeah. need a fucking vacation like you're talking about. But the, yeah, yeah, the reason yeah. that happens is just, you know, Capitalism. Capitalism. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know. That's why I'm like, uh, Jake, uh, Dr. Louisa prescribes you a vacation. <laughs> the, it's that easy to fix your problems. No, I know it's not. Uh, part of the reason that I even like, you know, I'm traveling now, like, ugh, my goal for this year is that I have to pay off a bunch of credit cards and shit because I've been living wild, right? Yeah. But Part of the reason I've been living wild, Jake, is because I spent, you know, I don't know, I was like poor in my teens, like I didn't get to go anywhere. And then in my 20s, I was working really hard and going to school full time and I had multiple jobs and and I just literally slept like four hours a night from like 20 to 32. And once, as soon as I didn't have to, and I had even like a small amount of money, I didn't pay my student loans. I was like... I need to see Rome, bitch. <laughs> and so the thing is, like, I've never paid my student loans. Never, ever. And I'm never gonna. Um, and I'm really, I hope nobody from the IRS or whoever is in charge listens to this. But um, I'm sorry, but I'm, like, very much of, uh, I've told you, I have, like, a $220,000 student loan debt, right? Yeah. And the thing is that, like, my principal was 98000 And... By the time I graduated and I went to work to nonprofit, you know what I mean? So like I was living paycheck to paycheck all of my 30s. And then they're like, how are you going to pay these loans? <laughs> I'm like, oh, I don't know. I can't do that. So they kept letting me like defer things and like whatever, push it. And then uh, interest added up. And now it's like more than twice what I originally borrowed because of interest, right? So to me, it just feels like throwing pennies in a bucket, like what it costs to go to Rome <laughs> doesn't even put a dent in the interest for this fucking month. Do you understand that? <laughs> so like Impossible. Like, you'll exactly. Never, you'll never- I'm never going to be able to do it. It almost doesn't even benefit me to save money because they might come here and try to take it from me. <laughs> you know, so I'm just like... Well, uh, Mexico City in March, huh? <laughs> like, um, so I am definitely not like a paragon of fucking financial um, stability or like anybody you should be listening to. I guess I'm actually giving you bad advice. <laughs> and what I'm saying is that um, the way that you, I guess, like sacrifice and work really hard to make sure that you have the time and money to pursue comedy 
it's worth also working that hard to make sure that you have like a week or two a year that is just you fucking, I don't know, going to some other country, meeting chicks, having sex, eating weird shit, fucking being disconnected from this bullshit here and just like actually living life because it might not fucking be connected to producing anything. Fuck it being like fodder for you having more comedy. I'm not even saying that. I'm saying it's like, like, yeah, fucking shit. You know what it is? It's your life. When you're a fucking old man, you will remember that you loved going to Greece for a week by yourself one time in 2023 or whatever the fuck. Yeah, yeah. And, um... I'm in a hell of debt and I'm sure it's going to come bite me back in the ass sometime. As I was saying to you that it's always like all our hacks in capitalism, I guess is what I was trying to say. And I guess that's why I'm thinking of severance because any hack that we come up with for capitalism, it is only beneficial. It's only a hack in the short term. It always eventually wins over us. Well, isn't that what severance is kind of about? Like, yeah, yeah. Like it, it, it doesn't work. The thing it doesn't work. Yeah, like it's uh, clearly going to. It's like a, a cheat that this tech company comes up with. If anyone hasn't seen the show Severance, a spoilers and b the premise of it is that this evil tech company comes up with this thing where you sever your consciousness in between like uh, your work self and your your home self, and then they're separate people and they don't interact, and it follows the the life of like mostly the what they're called. The in- yeah work in the office who just like that's all they ever experience is work like a nightmare and then the outside world the tech company's doing all this pr and saying like this is great everyone loves it the indies are really happy and stuff and uh and then the audis are also kind of miserable like they're alcoholics and stuff and their lives are not you know defined and all whatnot um and so i i don't know it's really mysterious show to me because it it like it gets at some things but then you then you read that it's fucking produced by ben stiller and you're like mm-hmm. oh he's like this gen xer yeah uh, rich is he a big brained marxist or is no right so here's That's, what i yeah sorry go ahead go well okay, okay this kind of ties into what i wanted to talk about today um bong joon ho won best picture for severance or for uh Par- no, parasite yeah parasite. Uh, a couple years ago right and it he is like explicitly a marxist, marxist yeah uh and it's hilarious because americans don't understand that shit they think they interpret it wrong yada 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 but he fucking is and that movie was very deliberately about class and stuff mm-hmm. and uh in the wake of that i think because it i guess maybe uh, maybe i'm proposing that because it like fucking won an institutional thing in uh america or maybe that was just a part of this, just part of the wave or whatever, a precursor to it. For whatever reason, after that, you got a wave of anti-capitalist things that were worse, but still good, but like B-movie type shit, right? Yeah. So, like, um, I didn't see Glass Onion, but I heard that, it like, oh, they make fun of Elon Musk in the blog, which, like, became a thing that... Is, I, Glass, on- is Glass Onion that Ryan Johnson guy, right? Uh, the yeah. sweaters guy <laughs> sorry the, the knives out right yeah yeah okay so that's funny jake that you bring that up because sorry we do have to make a sideline here because it's very amazing that you brought that up because um 
I don't really like anything that Ryan Johnson does. I think that it's like rich people porn, you know, like it's very just like, I don't give a shit about these fucking stupid stories like succession and that kind of stuff. And these are like, oh, like, huh? No, he's not involved with succession at all. Succession is even probably slightly more interesting rich people shit than his his shit. And I will even say this to you. I recently rewatched Clue from 1985. Oh, it's like one of my favorite movies. Jake. (laughs) it fucking totally stands up it is an amazing perfect movie in every way and when you watch this you kind of realize that this brian johnson person is doing like a new version of that that is very like the opposite of class conscious right it's like focused on privileged people having a a little murder problem in their house oh my god (laughs) you know and they're like oh but now there is a show on Peacock called Poker Face that stars Natasha Leone. I've heard of it. And right. And this is produced by Brian, whatever his name is, John Johnson, right? Not Johnston? I don't know. Yeah, his, his name is weird because he spells Ryan with an I. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I always used to be like Rian? Rian. It's Rian. <laughs> but it, I I've heard now that it's Ryan. Um, but you know, Natasha, as a uh, millennial Gen-, Gen X cusper, Natasha is like on my love map of making me queer. You know what I mean? Like, totally love her, fucking love everything about her. And then um, as I got older and she had like a renaissance, people fucking loved her for that prison show, Jake, which was horrible. Like, I don't think anything is funny about prison shit. So I'm not interested in watching like a prison comedy about a white woman in prison. Like, I, I don't want any of this. So I never watched The Orange is the New Black show. Um, but this one, it it's totally different. And what's weird is that it sometimes accidentally veers sort of like extra legal and uh, more progressive than anything he has done. And then the last episode that I watched absolutely went into like copaganda even though it's not a cop show (laughs) and then like oh i knew it i hate this fucking man so he kind of does the opposite thing of what you were saying i guess right with uh pandering or not pandering but like going for a formula that we already understand and i saw somebody say man whatever i'm not gonna call it the person but what they said was like (laughs) it doesn't matter who the person was but they um Actually, oh, you wanted to talk about the menu, too. So this person that we both know tweeted something about the fact that, like, the menu sucked. Okay, this is what they said. Check this out. (laughs) That the menu sucked and that not everything needs to be rich people stuff. You're just jumping on a bandwagon kind of stuff, like following whatever. Yeah, that was a very common take recently. Right. And here's the thing. I actually think that's absolutely fucking wrong and that for you to be liking something like Succession and like Ryan Johnson's fucking shit, which is actually like ass kissing fucking reaffirming of rich people, class superior class bullshit. Like all I see is people supposedly call themselves leftists being like, Oh my God, I love, I love knives out. Have you seen the sweaters? And I'm like, what the (laughs) fuck is wrong with you? It's not good. So sure. Maybe there was like, um, a proliferation of sort of uh, not well thought out kind of leftist leaning things. I don't think severance is that. I actually think severance is the product of Gen X nihilism. 
it's very Gen X-y. Like when I talked about it on my show, Andy Gillitz, he, he that was basically his thing. He was like, it's basically um uh office space, like for yeah generation, whatever. Sure. That and because because the critique is not really on it actually isn't on the bad tech company, and it's not even on we discover that one of the characters that's in any is actually the daughter of the person that owns the com- the corporation and whatever, and she's or- like participating to basically do like a promo you know and be like look even i would do it <laughs> you know it's great yeah but well the actual critique from the ben stiller mind i think is on the workers who are choosing like who somehow think that if they sever themselves they will feel good or better because jake that is what we are all doing like when you're talking about having to be nice to the people that annoy you and how that is work that is us severing ourselves. Yeah. Like today, I wanted to kill myself with the num- number of meetings I had to fucking attend. I couldn't. I couldn't handle it. Like I had to cancel one. <laughs> I was like, "Oh my god, I can't do this. It's a lot of work to just like put on the face and do." And I like my job, <laughs> and I'm like, well, "It can be draining." And we we convince ourselves that we don't have to destroy capitalism. We can just like negotiate with it somehow. Yeah, well, I want to get back to severance, but I, I want to yeah. talk out what I was getting at to begin with there, because this is all okay. part of the same conversation. So, uh, fuck, severance is confusing because I don't, I never looked into who made it, and I don't know what their intention is, and I don't know that I care because I'm also like, they made something that's good enough to where I can project stuff onto it, and that's art is that you don't have to, you don't have to, they don't have to be going for Marxist shit if they accidentally hit it, in my opinion. But um, I don't know. But uh, let me go back to to uh, post parasite, right? So the fucking menu came out, right? And when it first was in theaters, I heard a couple people say, "Oh, you gotta go see this movie." And then I went and watched it, and I liked it all right. Uh, okay, I didn't think it was as good as other shit that is, you know, mind blowingly anti capitalist, right? Yeah. But then it came out on uh, like streaming and it had this weird second wave of uh, like viewing where people watched it who didn't have enough money to go to the movies and shit like that. Right. So then <laughs> everybody watched it. And a lot of people on Twitter were tweeting. get a different uh, point of view. Yeah. Like it's kind of like um, how Hamilton was on yeah. people. Uh-huh. And then like they let poor people watch it and everyone was like, this sucks. They were like, what? I thought you would like it. Right. So <laughs> with the like menu, We made this for you guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people said it fucking was weak and the thing is when i watched it i thought it was weak i just i enjoy it. sometimes not every movie to me has to be mind-blowing like yeah. a horror movie i watched it and i remember thinking yeah this this you know it has these vague themes it didn't quite say anything i'll never watch it again but it was a pretty good time and the thing is uh i kind of am like a culture warrior in some ways where uh i mean i'm i'm a socialist comedian like that is part of that you know i try to make yeah. art that says something and stuff and i i kind of was thinking about it and i was like well people have a point it is kind of like not up to snuff and like a lot of these other things that came out around it like this glass onion thing or like in glass onion i don't i haven't seen that but i i'm what i'm hearing from is it sounds like there are things uh that liberals do like for example make something that feels very class conscious and class worry, but it's actually attacking like the individual character of a guy who's a stand in for Elon Musk. Right. And exactly. if you're a, a fucking Marxist, you know, it's not individual characters that shape the prison that we all live in. It's the Wait, shape of the it, thing. And glass onion is attacking an individual or not. 
I I heard there's I like a guy, <laughs> I, I heard this I haven't seen it either, but I heard yeah. there's a guy who is like Elon Musk, right? Okay. Uh, okay. So you know, people have a good laugh at it because liberals fucking. I always bring this up, but like ten years ago, they're all like Elon Musk is great, and like now they kind of get that he's bad, like, but they don't get never. why he's bad. They're just yeah. like he's bad. Like, he's a bad guy, yeah. not billionaire. Well, actually, like I, I think it, I think it's worth saying that the reason liberals don't get. Or it's not that they don't get it. It's that they think that the reason he's bad is that he's uncouth. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like that he's not polite in business circles. He doesn't keep things confidential. that should be confidential. He doesn't act professional enough for them as someone who's like a stock owner and company owner. It's like how uh, like a lot of like like people like hated Trump, but it was because he was rude and. I was talking to somebody recently about this, about Reagan, and they were starting to come around and go, yeah, I think he might have been pretty bad as an older person. Yeah. And, uh, and I was like, yeah. And I know this person hated Trump. And I was like, they have like identical politics. You just yeah. hated Trump like a lot more because he was so rude. And stuff. Rude, yeah. That's not, you know, and this is also kind of how I feel about the fucking, uh, ooh, this is a uh, dicey issue, but <laughs> there's this Excited. fucking Harry Potter video game that they made that oh, I, right, right, right. I'm sorry, it looks cool is the problem. It looks like they put a lot of work into making a good, big open world video game with a, a universe that's from books. And the, uh, the thing is, I'm not going to play it because there's enough of a movement to boycott it that I think that yeah. actually does something. But I don't think in general, if it had not become such a thing that consuming, uh, you know, a big video game or not is politics and i also yeah. raises the question yeah jk rowling sucks she's like vocally evil every so, other video game is probably made by somebody who's functionally also evil. bad functionally as, yeah <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna say uh that's what i was gonna say your uh the harry potter video game is your chick-fil-a exactly me. what it is like yeah, I, because i love chick-fil-a and then i have to be like i can't eat it but like it's like when you go to taco bell <laughs> The person yeah. who owns Taco Bell is It's good. also bad. No, exactly. They might not be vulgar. Like, they might not be expressing yeah. doing a culture war thing like J.K. Rowling yeah. is. Like Chick-fil-A people are. But it's still bad to be a massive corporate business exactly. owner. That's the crime itself, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, uh, liberals will get you like this, right? But yeah. that is all of these movies and stuff that came out that are, like, be anti-capitalist things that are, like, halfway there or they're, like, you know, I mean, uh, my friend Rory Blank was tweet- one of the people tweeting about this. He was saying, like, you could imagine uh, the executives in a boardroom who, like, saw the success of stuff like Parasite and Succession and then went, like, oh, oh, we need to this we need to sell stuff that's making fun of us or whatever. And then, you know, yeah. they, like, package it and sell it to you and you consume it. And it's a big fucking farce anyway. Right. But yeah, my take on this, though is i think you're shooting yourself in the foot if you're like such a smarmy leftist that you're like no the only things the only pieces of art that are anti-capitalist have to be held to this extremely high standard and they all have to be mind-blowing i actually think it's good to have like a large trend even if it's like that includes bad art and like junk and stuff like that that is like a precursor to class consciousness possibly i'm open to the possibility that by bottling it and selling it back to you, maybe it neutralizes the thing. That's a big argument people have all the time, you know? But I, I kind of good. I'm like, yeah, I want dumb people to be like, huh, maybe uh, work is, uh, like, you know? I totally agree with you, and I hate that I agree with you because you're framing me as one of the dumb people because I fucking love the menu, okay? And here's the thing. <laughs> 
Here's the thing, though. I, the reason that I think you're right is because I don't think it's bottling it back up and selling it back to people. It's understanding that most people don't care about political theory. Most people care about how it affects their actual daily material lives. And to be honest with you, something like Parasite is awesome because it talks about the system. It is a capitalist criticizing movie that is like attacking the system by giving you an example. But it is not the type of movie that I think like a whole chunk of Americans can watch and see themselves in and identify with the people. And like, dude, most Americans don't even like watching movies with fucking subtitles, Jake. Right, yeah. So it's not, it is absolutely not a movie to get to the person where they're at. It's a movie to uh, make a grand statement, okay? And here's the thing. I think that a grand statement is very valuable, but so is that small window into how this affects you, okay? And I would say to all the haters of The Menu that The Menu is not an anti-capitalist movie. It was not even trying to be an anti-capitalist movie. It is a pro-artist movie. It is a movie about being an artist is not compatible with capitalism. And that's why it's like a small, tiny fucking little crumb of the problem. Because in the face of wars and people dying and people's identities getting them murdered and all the fucking problems that we have, what is an artist's problem, right? Who gives a shit that you don't feel really seen <laughs> and that you feel like you got overexposed and used by certain people and that what you thought was like a pure expression of yourself is being monetized and used as status by assholes who don't even understand it or appreciate it? Oh, Dude, that's interesting. Okay, I see what you're getting. That's what it is. So every table in the menu represents the people who hold artists back. Okay? There is the parent table. There is the table of the financial investors who uh, co-opt the meaning and value of your art by being the ones who are financing it, right, and, and reduce you to it. There is the rich couple who has been there 11 times to this, like, super expensive, exclusive thing, and they can't even remember what they ate the last time. They're yeah. the ones driving up the price of the access to that art, even though they do not value it or experience it, right? Then there is the table. My favorite one is the John Leguizamo table, because <laughs> if you recall, he's just an actor. So he plays just like an actor who's pretty famous and he goes to this fancy dinner with his assistant. And the whole time the assistant is trying to quit and she's trying to be like, no, I'm going to go do my own thing. And he's like refusing to hear it. And then when we finally get around to it, the chef tells him that the reason he's here is because one time, one time he had a night off. He almost never has a night off and he fucking watches this. He sits down to enjoy a whiskey and watch this movie and he picks this guy or he goes to the movie theater actually. And he watches this guy's movie and it was like, it was the worst fucking thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> so like the reason I want you to die is just because I think you're a horrible artist who wasted <laughs> one of my nights, yeah. one of my free nights. You know what I mean? Yeah. And meanwhile, Jake, Leguizamo, before in the conversation with his assistant, what we hear him saying when he remembers that movie, he was like, oh, yeah, what a shit show. It's so horrible. But do you remember how much fun we had taping it? It was one of the best times I ever had on set. Okay. So it's this very fucking deep dichotomy between enjoying your art and it not being valued versus 
it being super highly valued by society, but you're not enjoying it. He's literally not having a good time. Oh, man, you're so right. This is crazy. Yes, it is about art. It is only about you guys and about artists suffering under capitalism and believing like, dude, the, the sous chef shooting himself in the mouth. Yeah. He literally tells him, he's like, would you want to have my life? And he's like, not my accolades, not my career, but my actual life. And the sous chef is like, no, no chef. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> exactly. So it's, to me, one of the best fucking movies I've seen in the last 10 years, dude. It, go back and watch it thinking about the chef as an artist who did reach the highest pinnacle in his field and found nothing but ash in his mouth and wants to destroy everyone who represents that, including his staff even, because they hold him up on a pedestal, <laughs> you know? And he and it's sort of like a cult of art movie where he gets them all to agree to we're all going to die tonight. You know what I mean? It's fucking beautiful. I think you're right. Uh, I think that that probably went over my head and other people's heads. I mean, I, it shouldn't have gone over my head for this reason, but uh, just right off the bat, like one thing that occurred to me while you're saying that is that people don't uh, consider culinary shit to be artistic, but it totally right. and, Yeah. Uh, it's a really clever way to tell a story about artists is to use something like that that isn't immediately like totally and you know what is perfect about it being a chef because then think about the Anna Taylor Joy character speaks to what you were saying as about as a bartender right? right yeah the fact that the chef is an artist but also a service worker right yeah. puts him closer to Anna Taylor Joy's character who is a sex worker Right. And he tells her, like, we both provide experiences. Exactly. Isn't it horrible when people demean us or they don't, like, deserve the experience we're providing for them or they keep us from getting... Because he even asks her, like, do you enjoy your job? And she's like, I used to, like, sometimes, right. <laughs> you know? And so it's like, it is absolute. It's very important that he's a chef because it, it like, uh, straddles the line of artist and service worker, yeah, yeah, which you can say all service workers are sort of artists and all artists are sort of service workers and sex workers are both. Right. And the capitalism is designed to, to, uh, uh, what do you call it? Um, and, uh, uh, expediate mm -hmm. the service and diminish the art. And that's like exactly. what's so tragic about it is that it doesn't function in tandem with the art. It functions in opposition to it. <laughs> um, um, I was going to say, I, because I, you know, I, yeah, you're so right, but I, I didn't really get that entirely while I was watching it. And I think I was thinking too much, like, because uh, I probably underestimated and I was predicting this is a, a class war movie. This is a new yeah. genre that um, people are starting, but like, we're Americans, so we do it kind of stupid and bad. And I was like, yeah. thinking, okay, so maybe it's a revenge film. And it's supposed to be pandering to people who've worked in the service industry. And I think that's why a lot of people pitched it. Like, you should go watch it to me. Yeah. I it a lot. And then, like, a lot of Which people... Which it does have that, that, sort of. It's yeah. sort of... It's, I think it's adjacent to what you're talking about. Yeah. That's it fell off. Because... Yeah. Uh, one thing that happened to me is that I was... I, I kind of was, like, um, in my mind trying to figure out if they were doing a thing with all the different um, tables where if you wrote this movie from the point of view of a service industry worker, you would have these tropes and uh yeah, yeah. of types yeah, yeah for sure and you there was a little bit of that like there were some things that were like really 
like you have to if you know you know like uh, yeah the thing about student loans and stuff yeah. uh, that one line where that woman said oh i didn't have to pay them and he was like well then you die you know that's pretty cool yeah. um and like also uh, in triangle of sadness have you seen that I started to, but I got to tell you, I fell asleep. No offense to the movie. I think I was drinking. <laughs> so I will give it another shot. <laughs> it's really good. It's a good yeah. class yeah. film, I think. And there's a part in the movie where this rich lady uh, makes all of the uh, workers on the yacht that she's on go down the slide and, like, have a break. Mm-hmm. And it's really clever because if you yeah. like, work, you know that, like, that's not a real break if the customer's making you do it. Like, it's very interesting. You're performing, sort of. Yeah. So there's just really smart stuff inserted into these films that I'm, like, uh, seeing. And But back to um, the menu, it's not that happened with me where I was, like, I was talking to a regular of mine at my bar about it. And I was like, yeah, you know what? One thing that I really liked, you know, is that they went through all the different types of annoying customers. And then there was this table that uh that i like embodied the idea of the annoying regulars the people that go there every week and the guy which I was table talking, is that uh the couple that goes there every week okay okay yeah. judith bucket. light and her husband yeah yeah but they don't remember what they ate last week yeah. or whatever. and i was like i wonder if that's what they were saying with this movie and then the what was really funny is the the regular who i was talking to who's kind of a punisher is <laughs> Oh, that's not what that table was at all. They were actually, <laughs> and it was like, you don't see it because you're not me, and you don't have to deal with you. Oh so- my god, <laughs> dude! But so I would say that that old couple, or they were uh, not even punishers because they fucking didn't even talk. They barely talked to each other. Their problem was that they were, they, it was like they were paying for a very high level of this art with little to no concern about it at all, it was just a status thing, you know? It was just accessible to them, and they fucking did it. The actual Punisher is the dude with the sex worker. Absolutely. That guy sucked. Yeah. And the reason that he's there is because he's the number one super fan, and this chef is like, I hate you the most (laughs) because, you know, he's the one that's like, oh, I know how the equipment works. And, oh, here's a little story about the time that I knew so-and-so. And And he's like, oh. That guy, I know, like, I used to have a guy exactly like that as I worked. And I, that's why I liked the movie because I was like, kill him, kill him. Like, I don't care. Yeah, (laughs) totally. (laughs) It can be I spit on your grave. Like, it could just be like, you know, kill Bill or something like the revenge movies where you just yeah. thing that you fucking hate. And then the rest of the movie is throwing them into a meat grinder. And you're like, yes, 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 yes. Fun. You know? Yeah. The green <laughs> inferno. Check it out. <laughs> oh, that movie fucking rules. Right. Thank you. We should do an episode. But we'll talk about it. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, I mean, I, I liked it a lot. I didn't mean to diminish it. And I think you're totally right. That's probably what everyone misread about it, including myself. Well, but you know what I think um, is interesting about that misreading is that um, it was a lot of leftists that I saw hating on it for it not being like a perfect critique of the system. And I think that it, like, to me, it just showed me that we need more of this dialectic rhizome kind of fucking thinking where it's not, it's never either or, man. It's never just the system and not individuals. It's never just individuals and not the system. It's always both. Yeah, We're always constantly yeah, like, oppressed by the system, but we make choices, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, I guess I, I was th- kind of thinking about this in tandem with uh, something else. 
recently, which is that I think that the reason that you're seeing quote unquote leftists, if we're talking about Twitter, right? Is just, yeah, yeah. The left is not the people on Twitter that tweet about communism. It's not not right. that, but it's like that's if that's all of your uh experience with it, you're you're looking through a very warped lens. Yeah. And like I, I've been thinking about these people a lot and I kinda like um I think that they that online leftist culture is in a lot of ways very liberal and lame in a in in one facet that it has a bad, bad self critique <laughs> of yeah. uh, which is that it's still very into consumption and celebrity yeah. work, and it has a deranged relationship with art because art is something in capitalism you consume and yeah. uh I, I mean part of this is coming from my own experience with having brushed up against uh leftist celebrities criticize them had them do the same thing that regular celebrities do which is go don't listen to that person they're jealous and they're an alcoholic and all this stuff <laughs> and then have like dealt with all these fucking people who claim to be these big brain theory people and they're just like oh yeah well the person i worship must never be wrong because i have a parallel social relationship with them so i'm like okay you're 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 wearing a Che Guevara shirt, but you're basically some dumbass reading a tabloid. Like this is yeah. what you do for fun or whatever. And like yeah. I think that sucks. And I think the bang I'm the drum I'm banging, the thing I'm screaming at people is like what you're talking about in the fucking menu, which is like art and capitalism get not warm, compatible. They fucking suck. And you need to think about that with all of this stuff and like the way you consume yeah. media. And you're you sound like a fucking lib if you're like Oh, it wasn't, uh, you know, you know how like liberals have insane movie takes where they're like, oh, a character in the movie was racist. So, so many. It is racist or whatever. Dude, everything, everywhere, all at once. We got to fucking talk about that. Ooh, white, okay. white people I, lost their minds on this one. I, I fucking wrote that down. I literally was about to <laughs> because I, I have a real hot take about that, which is that. It's uh, excellent. <laughs> do you hate it? I watched it and yeah. I liked it fine. But I've gotten some space in between me and my viewing, and I'm starting to realize it wasn't as good as I thought it was. Like, I think it was mm -hmm. kind of corny. Like, it kind of had, like, internet. Oh, it's definitely corny. Absolutely corny. And So I, is Gremlins. That doesn't make it not a good movie. Totally. It's, I don't hate yeah. it. It's a fine movie. But yeah. the thing where people felt the need to go home after watching it and write, like, a 10-year-long, yeah. like, this film changed my life and I just saw it. And I'm like, what the fuck is this phenomenon? And it, you know what it has? It has yeah. 10 Lasso fans who are like, if you don't like this movie, I'll fucking kill you and you're a bad person or whatever. Dude, and but on the other side of that, there was also like, did you see the white lady that was like, it was like a bunch of white ladies. They were like upset with the Jamie Lee character tax, tax no. IRS character and the way that they like showed her body not being attractive. And they thought that it was like, an unfair way to use the woman's body to frame the bad guy. So like bad guy equals unattractive. And it's like, what the fuck are you talking about? It, <laughs> what do you, what are you talking about? You watched this whole movie and you related with the IRS agent. Oh. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about right now? And I, I, people I like on Twitter yeah. on both sides of this argument about this movie. And I get it because it is like, on the one hand, you can be a total post woke, you know, anti woke person and find the most egregious example of someone accusing anyone of not liking everything everywhere all at once. Yeah. Being racist, right? Which is obviously a yeah. bad thing. But you also can 
do the other thing and look from that point of view and notice how a lot of the fucking uh the people that can't seem to understand why they didn't relate with certain characters can't figure out that it is because you have blind spots when you're white exactly indeed because there's a white ladies also this is white ladies saying that uh this movie was bad because it was uh, what it was saying was that people who have been traumatized by an abusive parent should just forgive and forget. That's not what this fucking movie said. What are you talking about? Are you fucking retarded? Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm like, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, but I'm like, what is happening with you? And this, like, you didn't listen to this episode, but I had a conversation with Steve about bell hooks and, like, masculinity or whatever. Uh-huh. And I was kind of upset that I didn't see everything everywhere all at once until after I had the pod with Steve. Because I actually think that people are missing the deeper layers of everything everywhere all at once, which is that it's not about a mother daughter relationship. It is not about immigrants. Even it's not, it is about generational trauma, but where does that generational trauma start and where it starts is capitalism, patriarchy, imperialism, white supremacy. (laughs) It is like, you cannot separate that the reason you have a parent that was abusive to you, whether it was physically or emotionally or sexually, was because they were damaged through imperialism and white supremacy and capitalism and fucking just horrible. And then they pass that down. And then what we see, so the father was abusive the grandfather was abusive to the mother because he was trying to make her a perfect woman in the world that is capitalist and patriarchal right but she chose to marry some dork according to her to her dad and they moved to america so now she's upset even though she met a man that she loved for being a soft wonderful funny guy she becomes hard and upset that he is not man enough to be like deal with the IRS, fucking fix the shit and be manly about things and be decisive, right? So she's mad that the man that she picked who was anti-patriarchal compared to her father is now not patriarchal enough to be a man under capitalism for her, right? right? So she turns around and she becomes the most patriarchal person in her family who then forces that upon her daughter by being like, you don't look the right way. You're not smart enough. You're gay. That's not acceptable. You must be confused with holding emotion and connection. She becomes the patriarch in her family because she feels like no one else is the strong male care like person. So what we discover at the end is nobody Nobody's having a good time under capitalism and patriarchy. This is bad for everyone. And the solution is to consider how, imagine the possibility of another world where no one had to live like this. And that's what that movie is telling you. Totally. Yeah, if you're right. um, You know, what occurred to me when you were talking about that was that uh, the reason that liberals, the liberal point of view is not going to understand the uh the, what you just encapsulated it seems like a very long explanation of you know the generational trauma goes generation to generation to generation to generation and you could trace it all the way back to the origins of capitalism and stuff like that and colonial yeah. exploitation is because mm-hmm. when you use when you're do, using a liberal lens 
your mind is going um history just is this long thing that goes forever and that there's like truth and they're only thinking about the mean dad yeah and they're and, and <laughs> yeah uh and every history is just this one long timeline so things that you find as patterns in it are just those are just like um like zodiac signs or something like that like, yeah instant, like right? mean dads just exist in nature <laughs> capitalism is only like 300 years old and yeah. uh, i find myself my mind opening up and like realizing a lot of those things that i was just describing aren't true the more i just read history which is what you should do as a marxist you know yeah i was thinking about that because i always bring up i have this fucking anarchist mexican uh ancestor and sometimes people are like well that's cool but that has nothing to do with you and you know maybe or we're all on a very connected timeline still and like you know i don't know maybe maybe not with that specific situation but especially when you're talking about white people not understanding people from colonized places like stuff uh you i the our timelines are shorter we can literally draw a line all the way back to this yeah. domino got knocked over when fucking spanish people came over exactly. and literally changed like probably our consciousness with like the you and know, not just that uh we can quite actually say that probably the reason that our ancestors survived is because they learned to acquiesce to those systems that were oppressing them. They learned to be like, oh, if I'm supposed to be patriarchal, I can do that. If I'm supposed to be capitalist, I can do that. If I'm supposed to be white supremacist, I can do that. And we are now having to undo those things and to focus on only, I don't want to say, like I said before, it's not to say that the systemic is the only thing that matters, but you have to understand that whatever the patriarch was in your family that hurt you, Dude, they didn't have a good time under patriarchy. <laughs> and I'm not saying that means you forgive them. I'm saying that it needs, you need to put it into context to understand that it's not like a particular individuals are bad. There's a whole context to it. And then also some individuals are not great to be around and we can remove them from our lives and don't have to keep them around just because they're family, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's uh. It's almost like we just have to keep using critical thinking all the time <laughs> in all our relations and not just have hard and fast rules for anything. Uh, yeah. Well, absolutely. I mean, that's the thing. Yeah. That, that's that's the thing that trads, trads love to lay down. You know, they, they just, love rules. Yeah. Well, they yeah. want to the system run while they sit there in their house that they have mm -hmm. on and shit like that. Right. Uh, yeah. it's exactly the opposite of being present all the time exactly um but like this okay this is interesting territory i think because uh you just made me think about something where like i always have this crisis of like ethnic identity where like uh i'm from texas and i don't speak spanish and you know sometimes people are like yeah you're white right i'm like you know in certain ways sure yeah. but uh i i really think that like um not having the all the stuff that everything everywhere all at once is kind of about like the the long trail backward the fact that mine leads to fucking mexico and somebody else's leads to england and you know emotional yeah. wealth and stuff like that really does define a lot about you and i, I think about this because totally. when socialism became in vogue you know fucking five years ago uh with bernie and trump and everything the, uh and then like left media became a thing i fucking um you know, I got a podcast off the ground and when that happens and you deal with shitheads like I deal with, there's a lot of criticism. Criticism is fair, but I think a lot of people who are white were projecting onto me like, oh, you, this just occurred to you. You're like cashing in on this. Uh, oh, right, right, right. And I remember thinking like, 
listen, I'm not uh, as well read as I want to be because I did stand up for 10 fucking years straight or whatever. It also sounds like they chose to ignore what you were really saying all the time before. Well, they weren't I'm actually sure. listening. Well, sure. Right? I'm sure that's yeah. part of it, but whatever. But I remember really distinctly thinking, uh, I this critique came out of left field to me because I was like, all of this stuff that everyone's talking about with like basic socialist ideas, these are very intuitive to me. Nobody put these ideas in my brain. I just was at work the first time I ever went to work and was like, this is fucking dumb. And which is like the correct response to being at a dumb job and being a fucking dishwasher or whatever. And then I, you know, figured a lot of it out of my head because uh, a lot of it is intuitive and it's like re re reality. Like uh, if you are, not from a privileged background point of view, like, you know, a white person with generational middle class and upper class wealth or whatever. Yeah. Th those or even stability. I feel like you can put in stability for wealth. Yeah. I, I'm <laughs> really unstable. Life. Yeah, exactly. Parents had like had their first kid in a trailer and shit. Exactly. And from nothing. Like, I know everyone says that and it's not, I'm not from nothing, nothing, but like compared to the people who are, I think, throwing these critiques around, it's very different experience, a different experience. Yep cops and the police state and everything and uh and that's why um when you have people clashing over that over the the legitimate critique you were saying of of everything ever or of the people critiquing everything everywhere all at once or whatever yeah. because you're like coming from a different point of view and like to some people uh thinking about politics and the state and reality and history is elective if you're comfortable yeah. like you can just have a hobby and like I'm it's like I read World War II books. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking white dads, god damn it. <laughs> For those of us who grew up on at the on the, the at the fucking under the boot of this We're thing. like we got to know what happened in the Philippines. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not a choice. It's like yeah. I do, but that person is projecting because that's how they feel about it. They're like you must also be doing this elective thing. So I'm going to accuse you almost like Freudianly of being this thing yeah. that I hear about about my fucking self. And it's like, it's fucking frustrating. Uh, cause I, cause I very white looking and shit. And so it's hard to explain. I think. Well, but you know, one of the things that, um, I think all the things that we brought up today have in common is, um, the sort of the implication that one of the biggest strengths of capitalism is comfort. Yeah. Right. And so whenever we can be offered comfort, and I am absolutely guilty of this. I'm, uh, I feel, I talk to my Gen X cusp friends all the time and I'm like, God, why didn't we organize? Why didn't we like actually do something or we let our nihilism make us hyper individualists? But wait, why was I saying this? <laughs> I just immediately like started thinking about how bad I feel about not organizing. <laughs> Fuck. But, um, Wait, what was it? It was something. I don't know. You say whatever you want to say. Oh, I don't know. I was listening. <laughs> oh, were you? Well, thank you. Yeah. I don't know. Um, we can edit around this. We can take no, we don't even have to edit. I'm just like, I forgot what I was saying. Uh, <laughs> okay, yeah. We were just on one. Yeah, exactly. We can listen to it. Uh, about people uh, who not feeling... Like how not being pushed far enough to organizing in relation to what we were doing. Oh, talking. comfort. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. See, I just need a little prompt. Um, so uh, I think all of these things, like uh, the menu was implying that uh, success 
right? For an artist is a place to hide and comfort and you don't have to care about where that money or that success or those accolades are coming from as long as they're coming in. Uh, with severance, we see the same idea that like, if I don't have to think about how I sell myself part of the day to this job that I don't care for, then that would make it okay. That's seeking comfort. Um, well, hold on. I like that. Yeah. What about this one in regards to severance? Yeah. This is why I was like, oh, I'm seeing Marxist shit in it, even if it doesn't, isn't there intentionally. Is like, yeah. you know, uh, <laughs> when you get, when you read about like time abolitionists, they talk about this a lot, where like vacation time well, itself is a, is, does it, it it is a product of capitalism. Like you yeah. can't have time that is defined by relaxing without having time that is defined well, by being a slave. And nihilism, I want to say, is not that far away from communism. It's just like Gen X's hopeless view of it was like, we can't get there, but they had the same goals. They just like didn't think that they were possible. You know what I mean? One uh, thing that I think that a lot of these artists are getting at and are like, you know, slowly moving towards sort of being able to elaborate or uh, quantify uh, with having this just themes that pop up, you know, probably unconsciously on some level over and over and over again with having like Succession and BoJack Horseman and all these shows about how rich people are kind of miserable is that yeah. when you understand class society, you're like, there's people who own stuff and there's people who don't who are workers right and the workers, dream yeah. the reason we venerate celebrities i think i've talked about this the last couple episodes because it's been on my mind but like the reason we venerate celebrities is because we're like uh sad we know we're never gonna get to not have a job and fucking hang out and live life so we're like living it vicariously through them which is why we develop these weird like um parasocial social yeah like emotional attachments to them and stuff you know whether you want to go way way back and go your 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 parents reading a tabloid or fucking people right now with their little hassan pikers and stuff like that yeah uh, all the same thing and it's lib shit and i think it sucks but the reason that um it plays into this is because i think with with severance with a tech company coming along like what are they pitching they're like hey you know the dream, like the just the dream in general that we all have of being able to finally get over the hump and not really have to uh, work, you know, or like yeah. work. Well, if but it's you fake, <laughs> yeah, get this fucking yeah. surgery, yeah, to live that life, and then what does the show tell you? It tells you once you do get to live that life, you're fucking miserable. It's, it's not, yeah, it's, it's like cheating, right? You're like you can't totally. actually. And a lot of people realize that when they do get fucking famous, or if you happen to Jake, make the class barrier, you yeah. every story is that they're fucking miserable. That it's not sustainable, right? Uh, what's super interesting is that in um, in Severance, it's even stuff like like very uh, subtle hints, right? Where like uh, we learn from the innies that they're like, oh wow, you look bad it looks like maybe you're hungover, but they don't know because they don't know what they did last night. Yeah. Right. So the very little things of like, whether or not the out outer version of them ate well or slept well or uh, got drunk or is having personal problems. It's not like it doesn't affect them the next day. You know what I mean? Like they are still, so it's all of this, like, um, 
you know, it's the same kind of lie as the famous chef telling himself that if he does another magazine cover, then that's just like a, more of a platform for him to make the real dishes he wants to make. But then he didn't never really gets that freedom. Yeah. Right. And his art is never really accessible to anyone. So I don't know. One of the things that I wanted to tell you, though, from one of uh, that I thought of while you were talking was like um, earlier you were saying like uh, online leftists, you know, they're not everything. They're not. They don't constitute all of leftists. Right. Which you're absolutely correct. But um, to go back to this crumb versus like big, important problem thing. Uh, non Twitter leftists tend to be people who are doing like a real organizing on the ground work, but they also don't think that media or art is important. They don't bother to be concerned with what's happening with comedians, with uh, mainstream TV, with how people receive art. They consider those to be minor, minor concerns because they are justifiably dealing with bigger concerns, like people having health care and getting out of jail and stuff like that. Yeah. So this, again, I guess is like me saying like it's not an either or situation that it's just as valid to be the kind of leftist who is spending time. I don't want to say just as valid. It is probably more important that you spend time on very important things that materially improve people's lives. But that doesn't mean that it is not important to care about the messages our media carries, the way that art is valued or devalued in the world that we live in. You know, like, it does matter. Yeah, I think that the, like, over-material kind of reductionist thing where you're like, art doesn't uh, do anything is yeah. playing off an old playbook and, like, the way I put it to somebody recently was uh, I think that movies are kind of important, actually, which is a weird thing for a communist to say, because traditionally that's not the line. But I do think yeah. that they're important because our lives are meaningless and empty. And it's literally the only thing we do. Like, it's the only thing we traffic really? in for currency is fucking pop art. Like, so that's Jake. Why are they currently right now banning and burning books in Florida? Right. Literally burning books. Like there's like a full on Fahrenheit four fifty one happening in Florida right now. And people are not even caring. And it's like the reason that it matters is because books and jokes and movies and paintings and fucking dishes, <laughs> like books by chefs like Bourdain, right? They are vehicles, platform or like us. Boards, sprint boards, what do you call that? Springboard. Springboards, there we go. For any person, and that's actually something that they talk about in Severance. Because remember the fucking stupid brother-in-law who he's like, he sucks. He's freaking, <laughs> he's so dumb. And he's like a highly spiritual, dumb dude. But he has a good intention where he wants people to be liberated and like uh, self-realized and shit. And he writes a stupid book and he gives it to one of the guys and it somehow gets into the in any world and they all secretly read it 
and it sort of becomes like a Marxist organizing book. Do you yeah. remember that, Jake? Yeah, of course, I love that. Yeah, because then they like suddenly they have like encouraging phrases that they have in common. At the center they... of industry is yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And so they're able to like uh, recognize through a common phrase that they had the same value judgment and like realization, realization, which I think is at the epitome of organizing. Right. It's really funny because it's the only book they've ever had. So that's exactly function, but it's like all time, but it's the only book they've ever had. So they, but the whole point is that it, you could have any book and it can, um, contain enough ideas that can unite a person or like a group of people, and that is precisely the reason that people, uh, fascists, I guess, try to eliminate or control art. So, sure, art is not our main concern, but it, it is absolutely not a realm that you should cede to the fascists. They care about art. I just finished listening to a podcast about all these fucking Nick Fuentes and fucking Gavin McGinnis and all this shit. These are all people who very much leveraged um, platforms of making people laugh, of making people feel heard, of saying the things that people were thinking and what, you know, uh. for bad reasons. So for us as leftists to pretend that there's no power in those things is extremely shooting ourselves in the foot. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think that it's, it's just dumb and you're just doing a very very orthodox not up-to-date leftist thing which also isn't even i mean they used the propaganda in the soviet union and shit what are you talking yeah, about yeah we love it we love incorporating artists into our shit yeah well, another reason that that reductionism gets tossed around a lot especially in like the online left or specifically in the online left is that um it gets you out of responsibility because like a lot of these people like the uh, chapos and like hassan and people like that i don't know if hassan said that but i've definitely heard this from the like the anti-woke like chapo end of things is they reiterate all the time that they uh are just for entertainment like there was this fucking piece about them in like four magazine or some shit and they said that a bunch or it wasn't it was uh, a the other one a really far right magazine wrote them up it's hilarious but they kept saying oh we're just for entertainment and they Mm -hmm. said all the time and it's like well why are you making millions of hours of content right and then they'll they'll sort of like um use that as a way to shirk the responsibility but they're like, I, A, I don't believe you. Like, you know damn well yeah. you're trying to say something. I've listened to hundreds of hours of that show. They cried on it and shit. You care about what you're yeah. talking about, right? Uh, it's bullshit. Um, but it also plays into this fucking celebrity thing because it's like, well, I, you want to keep your ground that you've, uh, you know, you've acquired as a celebrity. So just like as a way of uh, shirking yourself from criticism and stuff like that. John Stewart used to do this shit on The Daily Show all the time. He would switch between being, you know, this is the most important show of our lives, and uh, I'm just just uh, like, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you're little, not. Uh, and I think hands that in my if, chin, um, my chin in my hand. I, I think it's a huge <laughs> contradiction. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And but I, I think that, like, that is my thesis it, on why the menu is the, very important. <laughs> Oh wait, did I disconnect? <laughs> yeah, this? no, I didn't. I uh, we're we're getting like spaced out delayed. in a weird way. A little yeah. Well, your camera uh, kind of went out. You know what? Let's see. If <laughs> I think we're done. Though, right? We're done though. Yeah. 
So uh, let me turn off my camera, see if that helps. And then uh, what do you want to plug? You have anything coming? My only plug is Jake is going to be on the show, uh, Windbreaker Comedy. I've been plugging this already on February 26th at Union Pool. We're already selling those tickets. It is going to sell out. So look it up, Union Pool's calendar. It's a show hosted by uh, Claire O'Kane and Emily Panic, Amazing People. It's going to oh, yeah. feature Jake, Joe Firestone, Jay Jordan, uh, Christiana Jackson, and Veronica Garza. Maybe even more people because we don't give a fuck. Um, um, what about you? Yeah. What do you plug in? <laughs> that and plugging that. And then I have. <laughs> other show which is like i'm gonna be doing stand-up on like a a fucking uh like a town hall that kristen gonzalez is doing and i, ugh, I that can't. sounds awkward and i would love to attend send me the information <laughs> <laughs> yeah wait okay the date is february 25th uh, uh i'll i'll be following kristen gonzalez's town hall and opening for a musical set by at la bruja nyc Ooh. At, um, I don't know where the venue is. I don't know, man. Look at my Twitter if you want to come to it. Yeah, that's it. Those are my plugs. Okay, and bye, everybody. Love you. Love you too. Boom. Stop. I did it. Oh, wait. I had some... <laughs> no, it's still recording. Are you mad? Are you